Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and the exploration of how we can put Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I serve as Communications Director of the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, a network of about 800 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church with more than 25 years of experience teaching the Bible to people from pre-teens to 90-somethings. I'm passionate about what the Bible has to teach us and about the ways people live out their faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me. Welcome back to our short series on the lessons the modern church can learn from the book of Acts. So far, we've discussed how Jesus transferred the work to us as his disciples in the world today. And we explored the story of Peter and learned how it's important for us to speak boldly about our faith. In this episode, we're going to talk a little about the importance of maintaining our curiosity about faith. And we'll do that by exploring the story about the Ethiopian eunuch and his lesson from Philip, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ in the first century. I was on the road visiting our daughter in Colorado Springs, so my son, Josh Seifert, who just finished his second year of seminary at St. Paul School of Theology in Leewood, Kansas, filled in for me preaching that week. And it's his voice that you'll hear teaching on this episode. So let's get to it. The scripture reading for this week comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Here it reads, An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch, and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you are reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants, because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, about whom does this prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went on down the road, they came across some water. The eunuch said, Look, water! What would keep me from being baptized? He ordered the car- that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, where Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Lord's Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Astos. He traveled through the area, preaching the good news in all the cities until he reached Caesarea. The scripture reading for this week tells a beautiful story about two different people coming together to experience the power and grace of God. On the surface, we may think the story of Philip and the eunuch describes the power of conversion in a mysterious way that God exists in a space while we are sharing our faith. And while this scripture passage may describe the importance of these two things, we have to take a deeper look into the passage to see the true wonder of God 
the connection of these two individuals and the importance of Philip's actions. The question I have to, to open this up is, have you ever been in a situation with someone who you couldn't possibly be any different from? Um, being with someone who has been completely different with a background than yours, you see, I can imagine all of us have been in one situation or another where we have all felt like a complete foreigner regardless of the context. Growing up, I had many of these encounters with other people who looked like me, talked like me, and did very ordinary things like me, but deeper down, they were very different from myself. In the context that I grew up in, I had experiences with others that I felt disconnected from. In my hometown of St. George, Utah, I had a pretty high, there was a pretty high population of LDS families and faith communities. This was held in tension with my faith background of the United Methodist Church and the single United Methodist Church that was present in my hometown. Going to school and playing baseball with my LDS friends always created opportunities for conversations about our faith traditions, our backgrounds, and all the different things that made us unique. My friends would ask me what I believed, and I would do my very best to answer their questions. I would ask them what they believe in, and they did their best to answer my questions as well. And at the end of the, end of the day, we were left with a group of teenagers who had more questions than answers. This curiosity and lack of understanding caused some conflict when I was growing up. We didn't have the knowledge necessary to know that our differences in faith weren't caused by our personalities, but rather our differences came from this interfaith interaction we were hosting. As time went on, People experienced harm and judgment because we were lacking understanding. The context from this scripture reading may help us gain a deeper appreciation for the message it holds. Earlier in this chapter of Acts, we learn that several apostles are making their way through Samaria and preaching the good news along the way. Acts 8 verses 4 through 6 tells us, Those who had been scattered moved on, preaching the good news along the way. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and began to preach Christ to them. The crowds were united by what they heard Philip say and the signs they saw him perform, and they gave them their undivided attention. We can note that Philip's presence in Samaria is already a sign of not-so-typical experiences. We can read in the Gospel of John Jesus' account with a Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob, and how unusual it was for Jesus to interact with someone from Samaria. Back in the time of the Israelites, the tribes were divided by the Assyrian Empire, and the result of this event was two different kingdoms, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. These two kingdoms, over the course of history, began to develop their own unique identities and ways of doing things. The Samaritans and Judeans began to form differences, and tensions built up because of them over the centuries. Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well, named St. Fontini in Eastern Orthodox traditions, introduced the first actions of evangelism in the Gospel of John. Fontini introduced other Samaritans to the good news of Jesus Christ. And over time, that news started to spread through their communities. However, more action was needed because in Acts 8 verses 15 through 16, we read that Peter and John went down to Samaria where they prayed that the new believers would receive the Holy Spirit. 
This was because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The next verses tells us that the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit after the apostles had laid their hands on them. Acts 8.25 tells us, After the apostles had testified and proclaimed the Lord's word, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the good news to many Samaritan villages along the way. From there, we are introduced to the narrative of Philip, and from there, we build on the context of this story. The story tells us that the Lord spoke to Philip and told him to take a desert road. On that road, he would come across an Ethiopian man who, according to Acts 8 verses 27, was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Following God's direction, Philip answered and approached the carriage and followed close by as it traveled down the road. As he followed close by, he, quote, heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you are reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. Today, in our context, we may read this moment in this story as a nice gesture and a sign of hospitality. After all, we participate in Bible studies and are supposed to invite others into exploring Scripture with us as we build our faith. However, this interaction is far more unusual than we can depict in our own modern-day experiences. This Ethiopian official is an unusual but exciting character in the Scripture. You see, Ethiopia is located in the far western reaches of Africa. At this point in time in the scripture, Ethiopia is the, quote, ends of the earth for the known world at the time. Interestingly enough, the book of Acts in chapters 1, verse 8, foreshadows this moment by saying, Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Like clockwork, the Holy Spirit delivers on its promise that was foreshadowed in the first chapter. Philip and the eunuch began reading through the prophet Isaiah, and the eunuch begins to ask Philip questions about Isaiah's writing. Who is he talking about? What does this mean? And Philip begins to proclaim the good news about Jesus to him. What is interesting about the eunuch is that we discover that he is traveling home after visiting Jerusalem to worship. However, because this Ethiopian was a eunuch, he was considered ritualistically unclean because of his condition in Jewish law. Yet in that moment, Philip and the Ethiopian found a point of connection. It is through this journey of this eunuch traveling all this great dis distance to Jerusalem to worship that shows us the extent of his faith, how deeply grounded he was in wanting to learn more about scripture, about faith and how God is interacting with us in an act of presence. And yet because of his status as a Ethiopian eunuch and his condition to be un ritualistically unclean, he was unable to fully engage himself in worship, being ostracized and alienated by the Jewish communities. Now, I want to share another more recent story about a time I had an, an encounter with others who were very different than myself. Back in college, before I started my path to ministry, I was a biology major at Nebraska Wesleyan. Part of the core curriculum was enrolling in various labs in biology and chemistry and taking their respective lectures. 
My freshman year started off pretty well in these labs and lectures, partially because I really enjoyed learning about them, and also because they hadn't gotten too difficult to that point. The second semester rolls around, and I'm enrolling in the next level of labs for biology and chemistry, and it's at that point that I quickly noticed that I was going to be struggling in my labs for chemistries. The material was advancing so quickly, I'm fumbling around with these little 3D molecule models with different particles for organic chemistry. And on top of that, I was traveling with the baseball team for conference games in the spring since I was playing on the team. And as I expected, I began to struggle in my labs and was needing some help. The way our labs were set up at school, there were these long rows of tables and benches with stools at each of the station for our labs and each student had their own little area to conduct their experiments and gain their results. Well, one day I found myself underwater on my experiment, and I asked the guy next to me if he could help me guide in the right direction so I could be able to complete my experiment. Graciously, he did, and he helped me gain a deeper understanding for the material and what we were doing while going through the lab. He really helped me out, and so I asked if he'd be willing to do some homework with me and tutor me more or less as I began to grasp the concept for organic chemistry. Over the course of time, we began to do this pretty regularly. And after a few sessions together, I began to notice some things about him that were pretty different from myself. After I began taking a deeper look at him, I concluded that we were more or less polar opposites from one another. After we're talking with him and Studying with him after you know a few times over the course of the semester, we began to talk and I realized that he was raised Roman Catholic, where I was raised United Methodist. He came from a very small town and I came from a larger town out west. He came from a very wealthy family. And while my family wasn't struggling financially, we definitely weren't at that level of wealth and resources. He preferred quiet socializing and I preferred to be in very extroverted situation with my teammates. He liked running. I absolutely hate running and so forth and so on. As we begin to talk more through the semester, I realized that our differences went far beyond these superficial topics that we initially saw. Our curiosity led us to learn that we are on completely different spectrums of our faith expression, our stances on politics, on economics, social circles, theology, I mean, you name it, we were on two very different sides of the argument. And in almost every way under the sun, we were not supposed to mix. I recall those experiences when I began to work on this sermon and this scripture passage. I thought of my own experiences of others with differences and the experiences of Philip and the eunuch. I thought to myself initially, these two characters shouldn't be in this civil right situation, let alone being hospitable to one another. These two things don't mix, is the sentence that's, that kept coming to my mind as I was working on this sermon. And then something caught my eye. In Acts 8, verse 30, Philip overhears that the eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah. From there, these two characters who were vastly different from one another, one another found a common ground. They found a common ground in scripture and with their faith, and they began to see eye to eye with one another as they explored the scroll. They began to build connections with one another and through their faith by learning together. I thought to myself, 
I wanted to know what part of Isaiah they were studying together. And some biblical scholars have identified that they were reading from Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 8. And here the passage reads, Don't let the immigrant who has joined with the Lord say, The Lord will exclude me from my people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. The Lord says, To the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, chooses what I desire, and remain loyal to my covenant, in my temple and courts I will give them a monument in a name better than sons and daughters. I will give to them an enduring name that won't be removed. The immigrants who have joined me, serving me and loving my name, becoming my servants, everyone who keeps my Sabbath without making it impure, and those who hold fast to my covenant, I will bring them joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their entirely burnt offerings and sacrifices on my altar. My house will be known as a house of prayer for all peoples, says the Lord God, who gathers Israel's outcasts. I will gather still others to those I have already gathered. No wonder the Ethiopian read these words from Isaiah and was filled with joy and a promise of life eternal. After Philip and the eunuch read these words together, the Ethiopian said, Look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? They stopped the carriage. Philip led the man to the water. Philip baptized the eunuch. And Acts 8.39 states, When they came up out of the water, the Lord's Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. After defying all expectations of social barriers or any kind of uh, differences, Philip and the eunuch instead found a place of connection and commonality. There, in that space of unity, they found the Holy Spirit and the loving power of God. This beautiful moment of connection gave birth to a completely new chapter of life for the eunuch, an individual who was once outcasted from the temple because of his status as a eunuch. Unable to fully encompass himself in worship. However, the Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing because he tore down those barriers and experienced the love of God with someone who was supposed to steer clear of him, according to social expectation. I want to close with the happy ending about my story and my lab partner. I admit that I entered those interactions with him closed off because there were many differences between the two of us. The funny part is I ultimately dropped my biology major and left those lab courses. Nonetheless, he and I drifted away uh, as the semester went on and after I dropped out of these classes. But at the beginning of our sophomore year of college, we found ourselves in a different class together. At that point, I majored in religion and philosophy and was taking a completely new course curriculum. And yet it was in that space, in a completely different frame of mind, that we began to notice that we both have a lot more in common than we do in difference. We found a common place in that class and we quickly grew close to one another. We both ended up majoring in religion and philosophy together and we journeyed all the way through college together. At the very end of that chapter of my life, after graduation, after the, the degrees were completed, 
that same guy stood beside me as I said I do to my beautiful wife, Claire. His name is Stephen, and he is my best friend whom I still am journeying through this life with to this day. Oh, and if you're wondering, he's working on his master's in biochemistry, and I am not. It is no secret that we live in a ever-polarized world today. We have friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors. We have leaders and politicians, and yes, even religious leaders, insisting that we have to vote a certain way or that we have to live our lives according to this standard instead of that. This polarization in our communities, our nation, and even the world continues to pull itself further and further apart. Many of us fear that we will never have a future where we are able to come back together as a unified community. Some may fear we just completely pull ourselves apart. Our world is so focused on the differences we hold against one another that we completely fail to recognize that we have the opportunity to find common ground with one another. We get so caught up in our own little groups of people that look like us, that think like us, that we completely neglect to see that we are called to be a united people. A discipleship community that seeks to embrace those who are different from ourselves. That is who we are called to be. We are called to welcome in others who are different, not out of necessity to convert others or else, but because we are called to share the love of God with all of creation not just those who conveniently look like us, talk like us, vote like us, work like us, or believe like us. I imagine you can picture in your mind those whom you have seen in your life as different. I am still plenty of guilty of this today, and I will continue to struggle with this as I progress forward. But we have to remember, much like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, we are called to be in connection with, with one another. And I'm confident you can find that common ground with those people in your life. Because by the power of love and the grace of God, that is what we are called to do. When we are called to walk down that desert road, we can go forward in confidence, knowing God exists in that space of unity and connection. Amen. So stay curious. Please stay curious. Questions are not insulting to God. Questions show that you're thinking deeply about your faith. Whether you're 8 years old, 28 years old, or 80 years old, questions are perfectly acceptable, so never stop asking them. In the next episode, we'll talk about the important lesson of learning to trust in God. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. 
Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.